0: Jesus sends out the disciples, and they go and they do miracles, they do all these things, and, and then Jesus asks them, what did you see? What did you witness? And they say that, Lord, we saw people be healed, we saw people be delivered from evil spirits, we saw all these miraculous things happening. Now, I know Erica just shared about legacy, but did you know that just this past summer, close to 300 teenagers receive Jesus Christ because of Define Camp and the Legacy Camp that was held here at New Hope Church. And then almost 300 teenagers rededicated their lives to Jesus. And we get to be witnesses to that. Yeah, that's awesome. And the most amazing thing is that it would have never happened without you. Because of your giving, because of your faithfulness, a whole generation has been impacted all for Jesus. And what's so amazing is that that's what God does. See, God loves it when we partner with him because when we partner with him, we get to be witnesses as he changes lives for all of eternity. This morning as we give, let's remember that we're partnering with the Lord and he's going to do great and mighty things, not just in us, but through us to reach people that are far from him so that they may know his hope, that they may know his peace, and most of all, that they they may know his love. Now, you might be visiting us for the very first time, and if that's you this morning, we ask that you, you don't feel obligated to give. In fact, just receive this service to help you in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you're visiting us from another church, and we want to just continue to encourage you to give wherever you wherever you regularly attend church services. But if New Hope Church is where you call home, Would you know that we get to be witnesses as we partner with God to see all the great and mighty things he's doing, not just in the next generation, but in all generations of his people. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray for our tithes and offerings? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and Lord, we thank you so much for all the things that you have done this past summer in the lives of our teenagers. And more so, Lord, for all the things you're doing in the lives of all of your people, including us. And Lord, this morning, as we give you our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so knowing that everything you do, Lord, is to reach someone for all of eternity. That, Lord, you want to reach those who are far from you so that they would know who you are and the love that you have for them. And Lord, what a joy it is that we get to be a part of your plan, to partner with you so that more and more people would come to receive you as their Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are such a great God. You could do this all on your own, but yet, Lord, you call us to be a part of your plan. And so, Lord, take our tithes, our offerings, multiply it according to your will. And, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, Pastor Sheldon is continuing in his series, What Do You Mean? And we're going to get to look at... Some of the, one of the most amazing things that our God gives us, and that's his grace. God's grace is, is,
1: of course, amazing, but at the same time, sometimes we don't know what it means when we hear that word grace. That's what this series is about. We're, we're trying to find some words that we tend to use that we don't fully understand. Last week, we talked about forgiven and what does forgiveness look like and what is that all about? Well, today is that word grace. Because sometimes we'll use words, but we don't understand the meaning behind it. Now, we love it when people give us grace. So we understand grace to a certain degree. But when it comes to God's grace, what does that look like? So I'm going to ask you to take out your notes, or if you're using the church app, you can uh, take that out also, and it'll help you to follow along. And some of the scriptures will come up. And what, what it'll do is it'll give us a better understanding of what grace means. In fact, Hosea, in the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6 It says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In other words, when we don't understand something, we begin to decay on the inside. When there's not a full understanding or the knowledge of something, then when it's said or when it needs to happen, we don't have the full potential in which to bring that about. In this case, grace. If we don't understand about grace, then we don't know how to receive it and we wouldn't know how to give it. So that word grace is a part of learning about our relationship with God. Sometimes we will hear the word daily devotions. What is that all about? Or we will hear, like in our song this morning, hallelujah. What does that mean? So in this series, my hope is that we can look at these different words and then we can learn together what it, what it, is, what it is all about and what it does for us. And how do we benefit from this word Grace. Because I don't know about you, but grace is something that needs to be learned. We, we don't automatically uh, live with grace. We're not born into being a gracious person. Now, I'm sure there are a very few of us who are gracious, and we know gracious people. I, I think for me, when I think of parents, or my mom and my dad, I didn't feel like they gave me grace, but my grandparents did. there was a difference between my mom and my grandparents. There's a different kind of grace. So if we're trying to learn the word grace and we want to give grace, we have to understand the definition of it and the meaning and what it looks like. Some time ago, I I don't know how old we were, but Heidi wanted to learn how to drive standard. And so I said, you know what, I'll teach you because, you know, I'm your husband and what better way to learn? Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> it's like setting myself up for failure. I know. So I said, I said, why, why don't I just teach you? Because you know we're married; the two are one. And I figure, you know, what better person? Because I love her. So I said, okay, Heidi. Very simple to drive standard. Pretty much what you need to remember is is this is the gas, this is the brakes, and this is the clutch. So the clutch and the gas kind of work together. Okay. Just, you just got to remember this, Heidi. So the more, the more gas you give, you're going to want to let go of the clutch. So you don't do this and then this. Other things happen. So you want to you wanna go slow. You want to you wanna do that. And then, and then what you don't want to do is press the brake and the gas at the same time. But you can press the brake and the clutch at the same time. So I'm trying to teach you just the basics of it. I said, okay, first, first thing we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to learn this, that this is first gear. This is neutral, and anytime you're going to shift into different gears, we're going to press the clutch in. She says, "Okay, I got it." I said, "Okay, it's pretty simple." Okay, so let's drive. And so I said, "Put it in first, but put, put, push the clutch in first. And then she pushed the clutch in. I said, "Okay," and then put it in first. And it's all exciting at that point. It's like, "Oh, okay, I did it!" I'm like, "Yeah, good, good job." Okay, now what we're going to do, Heidi, is as you release the clutch, you're going to press the gas real slowly. So she goes, okay, and so she does it, and it's like, and then it dies out, the car dies out, and so I'm like, oh, that's, that's okay, first try, that's fine, no, no problem, so let's, let's try again, so same thing, I said, but what, what, all you're going to do, Heidi, is this, this, right, right, this is what you're doing, right, don't listen to the words, watch also how I'm doing, come to think of it, I was so irritating, and so... Probably still am. So I said, but just this this is kind of what you're gonna do. So second time again, she does the same thing and saying, like, and it dies out. So I said, okay, we're gonna try that again. But this time, as you're feeling it kind of jerking, then press, give it a little bit more gas. you going and, and as you're letting go the clutch, give it a little bit more gas. So she starts doing that. We die out maybe three or four thousand more times. And then finally, <laughs> finally we get it, and then she got it. I said, Okay, give more gas, and then we're going, and it's like We're moving. Yes. and But it's first gear. So it's I'm like, we got to shift. She goes, how come it sounds like that? I said, because you're in first gear. So we're going to shift to second gear. And all you need to do is do the same thing you did with first gear, but it's a little easier. So just push the clutch in. She does that. I said, now push it in second. She pushes it in second. And I said, now you can let go the clutch a little bit faster and put more gas. And she did. And then we we were going smoothly. But we were on a road that the stop sign was coming up, so we couldn't shift to third. So I said, okay, now you're going to have to redo everything again. So just put it in neutral. That's another way you can, instead of downshifting, you don't want to downshift to first. Just put it in neutral. So push the clutch in, put it in neutral, and then press your brake. and we came to the stop sign. Good job. Well done. Okay, now we're going to go back home. Now, we had a garage up on a hill. <laughs> so, <laughs> The enemy of standard is the hill. You don't want to learn driving standard on a hill. If you do, that's like you, you went, you didn't even, you boot camp. You went straight to war. So she has to come up the hill into the garage. Now, our, our garage was up on this hill, and it was steep at the very end. So I said, okay, the, the worst thing that can happen is we bang the house. That's the worst thing that can happen. So all you need to do, if that's going to happen, just press the brakes. Just press the brakes. I had my hand on the handbrake. No. I just press the brake and and we'll be fine. So she's coming up the hill in first gear, real nice and smooth. But as we get to the top, it's like, uh, 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 uh. I said, give more gas, give more gas. She's like, I am, I am. I said, no, you gotta give more gas. We're gonna die out. She goes, but I am pressing. I said, you gotta press more. So she presses more. And now we shoot up the hill. And I said, no, press the clutch in. And I pull the handbrake. She slams the brake. We're like, and I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I don't wanna do this anymore. I hate this. She gets out of the car, goes in the house crying talking to me while she's crying. And I'm in the car. I'm like, oh, all she had to do was, I mean, how hard is that? I had to go back in the house and, and apologize. And I said, Heidi, Heidi, I, I'm so sorry. She goes, don't talk to me. I said, I'm so sorry. I tried to grab her. Don't touch me. I'm like, I, it's just, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, all you had to do was the clutch and the brake, it's, I mean, the gas, is, it's very simple idea. She goes, but you're yelling at me. I, was, I wasn't yelling at, I had to, like, I was, we were going to bang the house, so I had to quickly talk and escalate my voice so that you would listen or else we would go through the house. So let's, let's just calm down and then we'll go back out and then we'll try it again. She goes, no, I don't want to learn anymore. Till this day, that is the reason why she does not drive standard. She has been traumatized. This is over 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago. That is not grace. <laughs> so now we know what grace doesn't look like. Let's look at what grace does look like. So in your notes, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 and 7 and 8, the Bible says this, God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's, what, grace that you have been saved. In other words, we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn God's favor. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. God's grace is a gift. It is freely given. You don't earn it. He gives it. God has an incredible wealth of grace and kindness towards us. So I want to give us three principles, basic principles, of what the grace of God means. And here's the first thing, that grace is God blessing me when I don't deserve it. That's His grace on us. That's basically what grace is. It's God blessing us when we don't deserve it. In the book of Genesis, chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can write it down and, and check it out later. It's just the story of when... Mankind on this earth was sinning against God, and there was so much wickedness on this earth that God brought a flood. So you remember the guy's name that built the ark? Noah. So Noah had to build this ark. But in verse 1, chapter 6 of the book of Genesis, it says, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim, or giants, the giants in the land, were on the the earth. And in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Then it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There was just something about Noah's relationship with God, that God's grace was upon his life. See, in those days, there was so much evil in the world that no one was turning to God. But Noah found grace by God. That's that word favor, that God's grace was upon him. When it says that God regretted, it meant that God was sorry. He was consoling himself. Because God is relational. So when he sees mankind breaking apart from him, it hurts him. And so when the Bible says God was sorry, it's like God had such compassion on us that his heart broke when mankind broke away from him. And so God says, I'm going to redo this. Not that he made a mistake, but that he wanted to give human beings a second chance so he gave noah favor grace he gave him the thought of consideration that's, that's because of my grace i'm going to i'm going to have you and all these animals repopulate the earth hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the help uh, find grace to help in time of need this is what was happening with noah God was gonna flood the earth, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God, so he could come boldly to the throne of grace. And I think sometimes we think of God's throne as as a judge. that's That's the throne of God. The throne room of God is a judgment center. Now, before God sent us his one and only Son, we did, we were judged. We were judged because of what we have done against God, our sin. But God says, you know what? Because of my compassion for you, because of my grace for you and my love, I will send you my son. I will take out all of my anger on my son because of my grace towards you. And because of that, we are not punished for our sins. Now, there are consequences to our sins. I mean, if you do something wrong, especially in a land that there are laws, you're going to pay the price for it. There are consequences. Or if you do something You know, that is detrimental to someone else's health, or you do something against someone, there may be consequences because there is a sinful act. But so it is with God when He looked upon mankind and He said, Because of your sinful nature, and because I love you so much, I'm going to send you my one and only Son. I myself will pay the price for the sins of the world so that we could have a relationship for all of eternity. And so sometimes we forget about that. We only think of God as a judge. So we come into church guilty. We come, or sometimes we don't. We say, oh, "I don't want to go to church because I feel guilty." Or we say, "When I get my act together, then I'll come to church." Or we say things like, "Yeah, but you know, uh, I, I've done so many things wrong that I am not worthy. I'm not worthy to go to church. Or I'm not worthy to stand before God." And part of that is true, because we have done things against God but because of God's grace he says you can come boldly to my throne it's no longer a throne of judgment it is a throne of grace my grandson jaden who is 8 years old the other day he was he was playing with his brothers and i said hey jaden come here and and because i wanted to show him something but instantly he said papa am i in trouble i was like well that is your reputation isn't it but no, you're not in trouble. Papa just wanted to show you something. I just want to share something with you. So I was talking to him and, 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 and things like that. But I thought, isn't it interesting that our first thought sometimes, even with God, is what did I do wrong? It's almost like when you're driving and a police officer comes behind you. You're like, okay, seatbelt, put it my phone. Okay, I'm driving speed limit. Okay, I, Okay, I'm good. So we think of God in that way. That God is a police officer looking out to get me. But as we know, police officers are there for our safety. God is here for our good. So when we think of God in this context as a gracious God, then when we come to church or we pray or we come boldly to his throne, it is not about guilt. It is about him giving us grace Jesus took upon the guilt and shame for us on the cross, and now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And because we do wrong or we've done wrong in the past, we sometimes think, okay, God is, gonna, God is out to get me. Now, God disciplines those he loves. That's what the Bible says. But that is a result of God saying, I'm disciplining you because I see your future, so I'm going to help you toward your future. Punishment is you did this, and I'm looking at your past. God doesn't punish us. That's what, that's what he did with his, his son, Jesus Christ. He took the punishment for us, but he disciplines us for the future. So when God gives us his grace, along with that comes all the other gifts that he brings. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 tells us that God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant more abundant. Some version says that when, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. In other words, here's grace, here's sin. When there's more sin, there's more grace. So we may think, that then I can sin. I might as well do whatever I want. Well, good question, good response, but no good. Uh, Romans 6, 1 and 2 addresses this. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So God wants to show us more and more of his grace. But if we're the ones who say, because of your grace, I'm going to keep sinning, we're not going to learn about his grace because we keep sinning. It's almost like your child coming home and said, oh, dad, sorry, I wrecked the car. Can I get another one? Sure, I'll give you grace. I'll give you grace on this one. And then you go out and you wreck the car again. Dad, sorry, wrecked the car, but you're full of grace, so can I get another car? You you never learn anything. So we don't take advantage of God's grace. We live in it, not take advantage of it. James 4, verse 6 says he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. So grace is God blessing us when we don't deserve it. The second thing is that grace is the act of compassion towards someone else. There's an act of grace, and that's compassion. See, when you you give compassion to other people, that's grace in action. That's what God did for us. He showed us compassion when we didn't deserve it. That's, that's, That's Jesus on the cross dying for our sins and then rising from the grave. He showed us compassion even when we didn't deserve it. I'm reminded of me receiving grace, even though I didn't deserve it. It was on one of my birthdays. On one of my birthdays, I was just not having a good day, which makes it worse because you're thinking, this is my birthday. It's going to be such a great day. So I pretty much set myself up for failure. I said, it's going to be great. Everything's going to run smoothly. Everybody's going to be in a good good mood. We're going to have my birthday party tonight. It's going to be great. We're going to have cornbread. My friend Carolyn makes an unbelievable cornbread. If you ever tried it, it's not cornbread. It's like corn cake. It's just that good, and you have to have milk with it. Otherwise, you can't, you can't swallow. It just stays there. So, but she didn't make it, and I was bummed. So even more depressed I was because that was going to be my birthday cake. So I was told that she didn't have time to make it. I didn't hold it against her for a long time. It was just a little while. So that day, we're, we're, we're going to sing happy birthday, and I'm trying to have the best attitude as possible, and then, you know, when all the guests come over, you, you can't have that attitude because you're, you're, you have guests, so you can't be, you know, having a bad attitude and say, oh, yeah, come inside, sit down, yeah, yeah, whatever, way my gift? You know, you can't say those things, so you just go, oh, yeah, come inside, aloha, hey, good to see you, hey, good to see you. Now, Heidi knew my attitude wasn't good, so my attitude was already bad, but then we're going to sing happy birthday, and Heidi brings out cornbread. I'm like, where did you get this? She goes, Carolyn made it just a couple of hours ago. She made it specially for you, and she said, happy birthday. I'm like, oh. And Heidi goes, who's your mama? I'm like, you're my mama. <laughs> so I, that was, and I didn't, I didn't deserve it at all. I didn't deserve it. My attitude was bad. But that was, that's grace in action. It's giving something or doing something or saying something to someone else when they don't even deserve it when our children don't deserve it we give them grace when other people at work don't deserve it we give them grace now on the other side we're thinking yeah but if i give them grace they're not going to learn if i just give them grace then how will they know to do right and wrong well there's a way to do it and it's with grace you can still accomplish the same thing but with a gracious spirit if we all got what we deserved, none of us would be here. But because of God's amazing grace, he extends that towards us. Second Corinthians 9, eight says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So it chases us that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, or that you would have all that you need, may have an abundance for every good work. See, His grace works towards us, not away from us, so that we could have so much of God's grace that we would now give that away to other people because now we understand His grace, which in the New Testament, grace means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight. There's sweetness, there's charm, there's loveliness. It almost sounds like the spirit of aloha. It's almost that same feel. It's a grace of speech or the token of proof of grace. So there's an action that comes with it. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. So you know like how we have food and sometimes you want more salt. By the way, never add salt in front of the cook or my mom who did cook the cooking because she's like, why are you adding flavor? I'm, how do you answer that? I said, no more flavor. What do you mean no more flavor? So that's a whole other thing. But we add salt to things to add that flavor. So what God is saying is, your speech should always be seasoned with grace. Otherwise, there's no flavor to it. Have it be seasoned with grace so that you will know how you should respond to each person. It's being gracious. How are we gracious with people? What does that look like? Are we showing acts of compassion towards people? God showed his act of compassion, his grace toward these cities in the Bible called Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was going to bring down fire and he was going to destroy them. But Abraham's nephew Lot was spared. God's grace was on him because of who God was making him to be. And and Lot found grace with God. God's grace acted compassionately to a man by the name of Jonah. Jonah was given an assignment to preach to the city of Nineveh to repent and to follow God. But Jonah didn't want to do that. So he ran from God. He went in the opposite direction jumped on a ship, and then while he's on the ship, this big storm comes up because he's running from God. And so all the people on the ship are wondering why, what is happening? And then they see Jonah, is kind of like in the corner trying to hide. And they're like, hey, so who are you? Like, where are you from? And so what's going on? Why are you, why are you like this? And Jonah says, I follow God, but right now I'm running from him. So this storm that's happening is not because of you guys. It's because of me. But I can tell you this. If you throw me overboard, everything will be fine for you guys. He looked around and said, shoots. Picked them up, threw him overboard, and the storm was done for everyone else. But Jonah's storm just began when a big fish eats him up. Imagine that. Like you, you get thrown overboard. The storm stops. Everybody's like, yay. And then here comes this big fish. Jonah's like, no. And then he gets, he gets swallowed up by this fish, but he doesn't die. He's in that fish for three days and three nights. Imagine that. Three days and three nights. Have you ever been in a situation so long that you felt like there was no hope left? That's what Jonah was going through. I mean, it would have been different if he was just stranded out in sea and hopefully another ship comes by, but he's in the belly of a fish. No one can see him. There's no GPS. He's in the middle of the belly of this fish but then Jonah cries out to God, and the Bible says, and then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't those just beautiful words? That the word of the Lord came again. And for many of us, myself included, God's word comes to us again and again and again. He gives us chance after chance after chance. Not so that we take advantage of his grace, so that it's so that we continue to follow him in his grace. God's act of compassion is what his grace looks like. And although Jonah ran from God, it teaches us that even though we may be in the belly of a fish, a dark time, depression, whatever it is, run towards God. Cry out to God because God will once again speak to you. And the word of the Lord will come once again. It's a choice that we need to make. Even though we may survive the the ship, Rocking and, and, and then being tossed overboard, and even the storm, even though we may survive all of that, let's not run from God because that's what Jonah could have done. After the, the fish spit him out, Jonah could have run from God. He could have been like, I'm free, yeah, and then he's gone. But he said, No, no, you know what? I know what it's like. I know what it's like to run from God. I don't ever want to go back there. And so he did what he needed to do, and he accomplished his assignment. Let's not run from God. Let's run towards God because of his grace. And then the last thing, God's fullest expression of grace is Jesus. That's God's fullest expression of grace. You want to know what grace looks like? Look to Jesus. That's God's fullest expression of grace. Now, why is it Jesus? Well, if you rewind to the Ten Commandments, God gave us the Ten Commandments so that we could know Uh, so that we could have a moral standard and it was about loving God and loving people if you look at the first four commandments in the book of Exodus and then the last six commandments the first four are about our relationship with God the next six are about our relationship with people so God gave us the ten commandments so that we would know how to live with each other and with God but we couldn't keep the commandments we couldn't keep the law you break one you break them all so you can look at like one I can do that I can do that ooh that way I stole I lie shucks I broke them all So that list showed us what we were doing that is wrong. That's what 1 John 1, 17 tells us. No, John 1, 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you have these two lists. You have have the Ten Commandments that we cannot keep. Maybe we can keep most of them. We can do well. But then you have this other list that Jesus brought, and it is a list of grace and truth. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have this list. That in all of my flaws, I can fall under God's grace, but he still gives me truth. In other words, he's not just going to shower us with grace and not be truthful with us. He's going to shower us with grace and then say, but here's where you can do better. Here's where you can improve. Here's what I'm doing in your life. Here's the hope and the future that I see for you. That's why I'm giving you grace, so that you can walk towards the truths that I'm giving to you. So when we look at these two lists, this one we cannot, we can't keep that one, but this one we can because of what Jesus has done for us, and we give our heart to him because of that. Jesus is the fullest expression of God's grace. Luke chapter 2 verse 40 tells us that Jesus, when he was a child, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's why it's Jesus. God's grace was upon him. And when you have God's grace that is upon someone's life, everything changes. Everything is different. I I disciplined my children different when I understood about God's grace. So poor thing for them when they were younger because they didn't experience the grace that I now have in my life when they were growing up. Especially with my grandchildren. We, we give so much grace to our grandchildren. Our children look at that and say, How come you didn't treat me like that? It's because you wasn't like this. But there's a different kind of grace. When my son was, I think, six years old, six or seven, uh, he's 30 now, but when he was that young, he did something wrong. So I said, we call, His name is Justin, but we call him Jay. I said, Jay, you know what? because you did this, Daddy told you not to do that, you're going to get a spanking. Just one swat. He's like, no. I said, just one. It'll be quick, and it'll be done, and you'll be fine. So I'm going to give you a swat on your butt, because that's where the most meat is. God was preparing us. And so I said, you're just going to get one swat, and then you'll be fine. He goes, Daddy, I don't want it. I said, Jay, just don't. You're going to prolong it. So let me just give you a tip. I'll, I'll, I'll stop the tape right here, and then I'll continue. Isn't it true, parents, that if we're only going to give one swat, that's all it is, just one? But when there's complaining and arguing, it's just like it's tacked on. So I said, Jay, if you keep going, it's going to be two swats. No, I don't want to have two swats. I said, then I'm just going to give you swat because here's why. So I said, turn around. So I gave him a swat. He goes, that one hurt. I said, that's a part of it. It's not supposed to be, oh, nice. No, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a little pain that's going to be attached to it. So then the second one came, and he blocked it. He put his hand there. He blocked it. I was like, brother, that's automatic four points more. I got to give you four more. So, so I, I gave him another. He blocked it again. I said, so by then, he's on the ground. No call to cops. That was like years ago. I'm past the limitations. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find meat somewhere. So I'm like, Jay, just, just keep still. And then he does this. God, help me. <laughs> so, and this is me as a parent looking at him. I was like, well, I'll be right back. I grabbed the Bible and I looked in the book of Proverbs. And, and so I came back and said, Jay, oh, hold on. Hey, this is what the Bible says. You want God. It says this in the book of Proverbs. Um, if you spare the rod, then you're going to spoil your child. So children don't. And so I, I read the scripture. Now I'm imagining him looking up at me, crying. <laughs> and I'm looking down at him with the Bible and quoting scripture to him. That's traumatizing in itself. That is not grace. And so you and I, when we, when we come to know Jesus Christ and we come to the full knowledge of his grace, we experience his grace. For my son, <laughs> I was learning about God's grace. When you come to Jesus, it is a learning process. Learning about his grace. I know for some of us it's very difficult to understand that God's grace is on your life. That he doesn't look upon you and he's, uh, with guilt and shame. He said, no, my son Jesus already did that. He took the guilt and shame for you. I look upon you as my sons and daughters because my grace is upon you. And he shows us by his actions, he gives us compassion, but he also gave us his only son, Jesus Christ. It was Paul the apostle in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 4, that as he's speaking to the church, he says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Something happens when we belong to Christ Jesus when it comes to God's grace. Everything changes. The first time grace is mentioned in the Bible is when God is about to bring destruction with a flood, with Noah. But then when Jesus is sent to us, the grace of God was upon him, not to bring flood on, a flood on the earth, but to bring hope to everyone with his life. And when Jesus came to give his life, his life came in like a flood, not to destroy us, but to destroy the works of the enemy. In the beginning, it was to destroy mankind, but now it's to destroy the works of the devil. That's God's grace for us. That's why when Paul was struggling in his life at one point, he was asking God to change his circumstances and God says this, Second uh, Corinthians 12, verse 9. God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what Paul was saying, Paul the apostle? He was saying, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses because that's where God's grace is shown the most. That God's, God's grace is shown Greatest when you and I are at our weakest. In our weakness, that's where God shows up. So you may feel like that from time to time. I have no more, I have no more strength. I cannot give anymore. I'm at, I'm at the end of my life. I don't have any more to give. And God says, My grace is sufficient. There's power in God's grace. There's, there's something that takes place with God's grace over our life. When God was moving in the life of Peter, when when Jesus was raising up his disciples and and Peter was one of them, the Lord speaks to Peter when there's persecution with the church. And Christ had already died on the cross and rose from the grave. And and so God shows Peter a vision of a sheet that is being let down with all these different animals that they weren't supposed to eat. And then God says, eat, kill, and eat eat these animals. And Peter said, that is detestable. I'm not supposed to eat those animals. And then the Lord says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. In other words, God was showing him a vivid picture of his grace. Yes, this may seem like this, but my grace is given to everyone. God was showing him what he was about to do with the rest of the world, that it wasn't just for a select group of people, his grace, it was for everyone. And so when Peter returns in Acts 11, 23, when When Peter arrives and witnesses the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Why could Peter say that? Because he experienced God's grace, he saw God's grace, and now he's saying, don't turn away from God, stay true to God, remain true to to the Lord, because I've seen His grace, I've witnessed it, and I I want you to live in it. He said, I, too, am witnessing the grace of God upon all of us. And I've seen God's grace, not just in my life, but in many of your lives, too. You've seen God's grace in your life, too. So I want to say a prayer for all of us, and it's going to end with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24. And By the way, after this, we're going to, because this is Mission Sunday, uh, partly of having our missions is to spread the grace of God all around the world for all people, that everyone could come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna invite the uh, worship team to come up. But we're gonna watch a video uh, from Ted Vale, who was here during Camp Legacy. He came here to speak to our youth. And he is the director of Foursquare Missions International. Uh, He and his wife Dawn are going to be talking about, a little bit about missions via video. And then his wife, Pastor Dawn, is going to pray over our special offering this morning. And for those of you who give towards missions, uh, we do this every so often. But for those of you who are just learning about this, I would say pray and ask God, is this, is, am I supposed to give? And you just hear the Lord, obey Him. So we never ever want you to feel pressured to give. You just listen to the Lord and obey Him. And then the ushers are going to pass out the offering buckets for our, uh, our missions. And what is, uh, what is incredible is that during the time Ted was speaking to our youth during that Camp Legacy he challenged them, and, and another man by the name of Keola Richards, who came up from Oahu, he's our district uh, four-square missions overseer. They challenged our youth to be a part of missions, not just going abroad or around the world, but in your very own home, in your schools, on your island, wherever you would go. Because missions is not only going abroad, it's, you have a, we're all missionaries, because this is not our home heaven is our home. So he says, be a missionary wherever you are and reach out to people. And some will go to other places. But he challenged them and and said, if you feel called to be a missionary in the sense of going out and doing things, then I want you to stand. And there were a ton of high schoolers that stood up, many from our church. And so I told our high schoolers, I said, Let's meet after this, and so what we're going to do is we're going to form a missions, a youth missions team, and we're going to do some discipleship and training and things like that, and then we'll see where God takes us. But that's what happens when we understand God's grace is for everyone. It's not just for us. So I'm going to say this prayer over us, and then we're going to watch the video, and we're going to pray uh, with Pastor Don via video, and then we're going to uh, close. But Ephesians 6, 24, and this is my prayer for all of us, that... Grace be with all, all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's take a look at this. Aloha, New Hope Hilo. So
2: good to get to join you by video today. I'm Ted Vale, and I'm the director of Foursquare Missions. This is my better seven-eighths, my wife Dawn. (laughs) Hi. We are so, so grateful for you, for your partnership in the gospel. Do you know because of your praying and your going, as well as your giving, that nations are being touched all around the world and we want to say thank you. Thank you also for sharing your pastor. I don't know if you know this but Pastor Sheldon is a part of our Foursquare Missions Committee and that really speaks into how we do mission as a global movement so thank you so much in so many ways we appreciate this there are some big challenges in the world but there are also some great opportunities and the gospel continues to grow throughout the nations one of the things that I wanted to present to you today uh, with your offering is is the nation of Turkey you know the nation of Turkey is the nation where the seven churches of the book of Revelation are actually located so it has quite a history and today The Foursquare Church in Turkey is the largest Protestant church in the whole nation. Approximately one in five believers in Turkey actually are a part of Foursquare. So that's amazing, but what's not amazing is there are very few believers in totally among 80 million people. And so we really need to put a push of the gospel towards Turkey and really helping the small seed of churches that we have to continue to spread the gospel, but also the the continued um, um, immigration of Syrians and Iraqis amidst the crisis that continues. And so Turkey is really being pulled in a lot of different directions and it's a great time for the gospel there. So uh, maybe even today as we pray and in in your offerings today that your offerings will go to help many things all around the world but i really wanted to highlight this really important opportunity that we have uh, in turkey as it really radiates through their nation and to the other nations around it thank you so much for your generosity for your partnership and uh now we'd like to pray and uh pastor Don's gonna pray
3: i'd love to can you join with me please let's pray together Father God, thank you so much that we get to be family. No matter where we are in the world, Father, you've joined our hearts together. And so, right now, would you take what we give you? It's our offering, Lord. We give, come to you and we give you not always because we have so, so much, but sometimes we give to you in need, too. So, Father, at whatever place that we are right now, we bring everything to you with grateful hearts. Thank you, Father. Would you take it? Would you? minister to others with it father pray that you'll meet needs with it even our needs father as we give out father would you minister to us not just in our finances but down to the core of our souls and father i pray as it goes out that would minister to others not just here in this city not just in hawaii but father to the uttermost parts of the globe father minister to everyone of every age Even those little people, Father, we know that you can minister even through little people. So would you do that? Would you minister through all? Thank you, Father God, for the way that you've given to us and blessed us. And we just want to bless your heart and make you happy. So, Father, be happy with with our giving in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Mahalo, New Hope Hilo. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you again. (laughs)
3: Love you.
1: So thank you for doing that, and um, we're going to hear more on what God is doing. There is actually a Turkish population on uh, the island of Oahu, and there may be some here, but but we really want to spread God's grace for all people. And so that's our prayer uh, this morning, that we would be that kind of people. Go ahead, ushers, you can pass out the buckets. And as we close with our final song, let this be our prayer, that don't forget the heart of worship is always about Jesus Christ. It is who He is and who He's making us to be.